Welcome to the Impact 360 Institute podcast, where our goal is to explore biblical worldview and servant leadership to equip you for everyday influence. Here's your host, author and director of cultural engagement, Jonathan Morrow. What does the latest research tell us about how Gen Z is doing as a generation? How is their emotional life? What is their relationship with technology and how is that shaping them? And how do they feel about their faith and what does that look like for them to practice it? These are just some of the questions we'll talk a little bit about today in today's podcast. Excited to dive into some of the latest brand new research here at Impact 360 Institute. We have partnered with the Barna Group to release in our Gen Z Volume 2 study. And in this podcast, what I want to do is share four surprising new insights about Gen Z from this brand new research. But before we dive into that, and if you're on the run, I want to tell you where you can go to find access to this brand new research, and it's genzlab.com. That's genzlab.com. It's a free resource for you to be able to join that community, ministers and pastors and leaders and parents and just people who care about the next generation. Just some great resources coming your way. You'll find access to where to get the print copy of the brand new Gen Z Volume 2 report, as well as the digital copy. Um, You'll also find access to interviews and subject matter experts dealing with some of these topics around Gen Z. And we're about to launch Gen Z Lab Season 3. And our first guest is going to be Sean McDowell talking about God, sex, culture, relationships, going to be great conversations that will help you um, in the days ahead how to apply this latest brand new research um, that we've done on Gen Z, but also how to help students and young people and teenagers live out a biblical worldview in today's culture. So GenZLab.com. Now to the first surprising insight from this brand new research on Gen Z. And the first one is that Gen Z is growing up as positive pessimists. So what do I mean by that? Three in four, about 73% of Gen Z, today's teenagers, agree that their perspective on life tends to be positive. But paradoxically, about 56% also tend to expect the worst to happen. And so that's just an interesting dynamic to be aware of in this generation who is positive in general on their outlook, but also in some ways pessimistic about what could happen. And in some ways, 2020 has shaped that in even more dramatic ways. And so that's something we need to be aware of, both the optimism that exists in the next generation, but also the pessimism that also exists in the next generation, because that will lead to some important conversations. So if you have a Gen Zer in the home, a teenager, ask them, that question, do you feel excited about the future? Do you feel uh, hopeful about the future? Or what do you worry about? And just kind of ask some open-ended questions around that and see what they say. But that's an important marker about how this generation is growing up right now. A second surprising insight about Gen Z from this brand new research is that 60% of Gen Z, today's teenagers and young adults, say their generation spends too much time on screens. You heard that right. Let me read that again. 60% of Gen Z says their generation spends too much time on screens. Interestingly enough, uh, there was about 13% who said, I don't think it matters, but that 60% is a really telling number. And you couple that with the fact that more than half of Gen Z admit they often feel bad about the amount of time they spend on screens 
And that's a really important insight because we know how prevalent screens are not only in our teens life, but in our life. And then after 2020, they're even more a part of life in terms of virtual education, all the meetings going online, everything else like that through digital communication, Zoom, whatever. And so what do we do with all of this information that's coming at us via screens? And so one of the insights here to pay attention to is the fact that Gen Z has some awareness that, you know what, I think we're spending too much time on this. And I feel badly about that. And that is a great opportunity to have a conversation about, okay, well, why? Why do you feel that tension? And most importantly, what can we do about it? One of the interesting insights from this research that we found, and you can dive more into it by grabbing a copy of Gen Z Volume 2, but the basic insight was the resilient Christians, the one which is about 10% who are resilient in their faith, according to the, the markers laid out in this study, they tend to have less screen time on average than their peers and more discernment at least paying attention to what they consume, what they watch, what they are actually consuming on social media. So that's an important conversation to be had, but it's really important uh, for us to be thinking through that ourselves, and that's a great conversation point with the young people in your life to talk about that 60% number. And that brings me to my third surprising insight about Gen Z, and it has to do with how social media is affecting Gen Z. And in this case how it's specifically affecting females of Gen Z. For example, 18 to 20-year-old women are roughly twice as likely as teenage boys to experience feelings like isolation, self-criticism, and insecurity. And so one of the things that we need to be aware of is the fact that social media doesn't affect everyone equally. There's different ways it's shaping and affecting Gen Z boys, for example, and Gen Z girls. And so one of the ways that we're seeing the data and the research display this is the fact that young women are more likely to experience the feelings of isolation and self-criticism and insecurity based on the amount of social media they're consuming. And so as a parent, as an educator, as a teacher, as a mentor, even as a friend, that's an important thing to pay attention to for the young ladies in our life to help them understand that there's good empirical data on this, which in some ways I know they wouldn't be surprised to hear that they feel these things. And so with the constant scripting and narratives that our culture is pushing around you know, body image and how you're perceived online and how you project your image and how many likes you get, and what people comment on your posts and all those things – that plays into the emotional life and well-being of Gen Z, especially females in Gen Z. And so as we care about the next generation, as we disciple the next generation, we need to be attentive to the fact that young ladies in particular are going to feel more critical of themselves, more insecure, and more isolated the more that they're on social media. And so that's something that we can do to engage them, to help them decrease some of that time there because these feelings are only going to increase the more time they're there. So it's not as though they won't ever be in those spaces, but we need to be more discerning and thoughtful about that because as we see all the mental health and emotional health issues around us right now, we definitely need to pay attention to that to love this generation well. And this brings me to my fourth surprising insight around Gen Z, and it has to do with morality and the erosion 
of morality over the course of even the couple of years since we've been studying Gen Z. So several years ago when we launched our volume one study, which is the orange report that we published in partnership with the Barna Group, we found that there's an increase from 24% to in this study, 31% who strongly agree that morality changes in response to social circumstances or it changes in terms of what people perceive as right and wrong changes over time based on a society. So literally, moral relativism is increasing at a pretty rapid rate among Gen Z. And more importantly, I think at the inverse of that number, only 10% disagree strongly with the idea that what is morally right and wrong changes over time based on a society. And so that's something that we have to be aware of because – Christianity claims to be true. Christianity offers Jesus saying, follow me, and that's a call of discipleship, which is pursuing holiness and living according to God's good design and commands. That's where human flourishing is found. That obedience doesn't make us Christians. That obedience flows from the fact that we are followers of Jesus. Because we're forgiven in Christ, we are now free to obey, but God still calls us to be holy. And there is good and evil and right and wrong. And increasingly, we're seeing this generation continue to have their confidence in moral and spiritual truth eroded. And that's something that we, as teachers, as educators, as people who care about the next generation, we must find ways to help them understand and discover objective truth exists because there is a reality outside of ourselves. And... We collide with that when we are false. Um, We have false beliefs about reality. That's what um, that will do is we'll be colliding with real moral and spiritual consequences because this is the world that God has made. And just because I believe something doesn't make it true. And just because I'm sincere or have good intentions, that won't change the outcomes. And so as we disciple Gen Z, we need to make sure that we are helping them see that moral and spiritual truth do exist, that this hyper-personalization of reality where everything revolves around my preferences, that doesn't apply to um, what is real, what is good, what is right, what is wrong. Those are things that have been revealed by God in his word, and those are the things we need to help this next generation wrestle with and live out and model for this next generation. One of the things we're deeply committed to here at Impact 360 is helping students and teenagers and and Gen Z discover that truth exists, that it's knowable, that you can live it out, and that you can apply it to every area of life. In all of our experiences, from our summer experiences at Propel or Immersion to the gap year or our master's experience, we make an intentional effort to integrate those things into how do you live out the truth, discover the truth, share the truth, in a culture that increasingly doesn't want to hear the truth. And that brings me to a word that I want to just encourage us all with today. As I've been thinking and praying a lot about 2021 and even talking to our team here and with the fellows, which is our, our gap year, or thinking about as we kind of lead this next generation, the word that keeps coming to my heart and mind is courage. And courage is so needed right now. We need to cultivate the courage to say what God has said. That means in our cancel culture, saying very clearly what God has said and revealed in his word about who we are in Christ, what is the gospel, that salvation is found in 
no other person or deity but Jesus Christ, right? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That there's good commands, and God has a good design for humanity. That we actually flourish when we cooperate with the way God created us to live, and that holiness is a good thing in all of our relationships, including sexuality. And we need to pursue those things and say those things even in a culture that increasingly disparages them or tries to cancel people who say things differently. We also need to have courage to live the way that God has called us to live. So not only do we need to think well and share the truth well and speak well and have clarity and understanding of doctrine and truth and worldview and apologetics so critical, but we must live the way God calls us to live. That's going to take courage as well. We should look different than the world around us. We should have in our relationships different ways of relating. We should be good friends. We should be safe places. We should be encouragers and challengers to one another. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Proverbs reminds us of that. So to live the way that God has called us to live, and that's the call of discipleship, where Jesus offers his yoke, his way of life. And that's something that we need to courageously step into as well. And we need to love the way God calls us to love. Jesus said, you'll know my disciples by their love for one another and the way they love one another. And the great commandment, right? We are supposed to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbor as ourselves. And that's what we need to be about. Unfortunately, in our culture, all these three things are coming apart. And because of the reality of sin in a fallen world where there's rebellion and brokenness, um, we don't naturally live this way, right? And we need God and his spirit to help change us and conform us to the image of his son. But what we can't do is just only focus on one of these, the living or the loving and not the saying part, right? Because we have to know that truth exists and that God has spoken and that we need to live this out and we need to love people the way that God has called us to love. And so that's what courage is going to look like in this moment, in this post-Christian culture, an increasingly divisive culture where there's just a lot of just noise and dissension and outrage and honestly people not being very kind and forgiving to one another. Um, grace is removed from a lot of the relationships that exist today for sure online. And so as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as we want to model this well for Gen Z, disciple Gen Z, and live this out well, we need to make sure that we are pursuing these things by God's power, His Holy Spirit, and that's so important now more than ever, but it's going to take courage. And so as you're listening to this, maybe you're driving around, maybe you're walking on the treadmill or walking the dog or whatever it is you do and you listen to your podcasts, I want to encourage you to take courage. Maybe ask the Lord, where is somewhere in my life that I need to take courage? Where is somewhere in my life that I need to take a stand? Um, and so that's a really important challenge for all of us to take into 2021 as we think about Gen Z, as we think about passing on our faith to the next generation. It's so important now more than ever that we do that well. So wherever this finds you, I pray that God's Spirit would give you courage. I also want to remind you that at Impact 360, we are here for you. We want to be supportive of your vision to raise your kids, raise your children, to follow Jesus all the days of their life. So if there's ways that we can help you do that with our experiences, our programs, our resources, uh, this new Gen Z report, 
come to impact360.org. And also you can find out all the information about our brand new Gen Z research at genzlab.com, genzlab.com. So again, pray about and think about where is a place that I can have courage to say what God has said, to live the way that God calls me to live, and to love the way that God calls me to love. And maybe take one of those surprising insights about Gen Z and start a conversation with one of the teenagers in your life. May the words of Psalm 31:24 give you courage this week. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. For more information about our on-campus worldview and leadership experiences for students and our accessible online courses like Explore Truth and Explore the Resurrection, visit impact360.org. Impact 360 Institute. Know. Be. Live. Live.